You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you today. It is opening day in Major League Baseball. Got some notes and numbers for you. Got an interesting story regarding Major League Baseball coming to an agreement with minor league players. A former sportscaster that I watched growing up and actually briefly worked with in the late 90s. Well, I hadn't heard from him in a while and just found out what in the world he's doing. Um, And we've got some March Madness news for you, including one of the players that was integral in the March Madness who made quite a name for himself has decided to declare for the NFL uh, NFL draft, the NBA draft. We'll get to that and a few other things momentarily. But let's start right away with the fact that today is opening day for Major League Baseball. I said the last couple days, look, I'm not really all that thrilled. I'm just, it's hard to get excited when we've got March Madness, I've got Taylor Swift tomorrow night, I've got WrestleMania this weekend, I've got the NBA season wrapping up, so that means NBA and NHL season is going to be starting up. Playoffs are going to be starting up soon. I don't really get into baseball until around the All-Star break. Now, I do have a fantasy team, and it's not one of these ones that you have to manage every day. It's literally you pick a team at the beginning of the season, and then whatever happens, happens. No trades, nothing. It's your team you're stuck with for the rest of the season, so health is a big part of it. I can tell you right now, pretty much went all in on the Texas Rangers. I know I live in Dallas. I'm not some sort of homer that's like, I think the Rangers are great. I just think that they're going to be better than they were the last few years. With the manager change, they went out and got some pitching. Now, granted, every single one of their five starters is someone who has dealt with injuries in recent years. But if you tell me a rotation of DeGrom, John Gray, Martin Perez, Andrew Haney, and Nathan Avaldi can stay healthy and get you 120, 130 starts between the five of them, I think this team finishes over 500. That's a giant leap from last year when they were terrible and terrible the year before. But, you know, last year they won 68 games, so they would have to go 82 and 80. So they'd have to improve by 14 games. It could happen. Um, That's a lot, but it can definitely happen if this pitching staff stays healthy. If they don't, they're going to basically be a 70-win team again. But here's something interesting. This is a stat that I read. And, by the way, I only placed – last year I did really well in doing baseball win totals, over-unders. I only did one this year, and I did it on the Rangers. I have them over 82.5 wins. So they need to go 83 and 79 for me to to win my bet. And that was it. And I just – because I didn't do a lot of studying this offseason in baseball. I just didn't care to. But here's something interesting when it comes to picking postseason teams. I didn't know this. There is a trend that has held true now for 17 straight years and 27 of the 28 years in the wild card era. This came from Tom Berducci's column in SI.com. Except for 2005, every postseason since 1995 has included at least one team that bounced back from a losing record the previous season, and it's usually more. 64 teams in 28 seasons have made the playoffs after finishing under 500 the year before. So that's almost two and a half teams per year. Last year we had three. The Guardians, 
uh, were 80 and 82 the year before. The Mets were 77 and 85 the year before, and the Padres were 79 and 83 the year before. So just know that picking the favorites is never a good thing. Yes, I threw something small on the Rangers to win the pennant and the World Series. Probably not going to happen, but when you have that big of odds, all it takes is for them to get there because then you can start hedging. But, yeah, I think they can win 83 games, but it all depends on health and all depends on pitching, and they are one of the teams that was really affected by the shift last year. I remember a few weeks ago I talked about the shift and who it affected the most, and Corey Seager the shortstop for the Rangers was one of the top three that it affected the most. He had the third most balls hit over 100 miles an hour that ended up in outs. Shohei Otani and Jordan Alvarez were the only two in Major League Baseball that had more 100-mile-per-hour balls hit that turned into outs because of the shift than Corey Seager. So I think he's going to have a good year. Marcus Simeon is another good player. He's going to have a good year. Odalis Perez is coming. Um not Odalis, Adolis Perez, <laughs> not Adolis Perez, Adolis Garcia. I should know this because I have him twice in my fantasy team for two different things. Anyway, but I like the Rangers. It's the only one I bet. I didn't even really look at any of the overrunners for the other teams. But yes, are the Dodgers going to be good? Are the Padres going to be good? Yes, yes. The Braves are going to be good. We know this. The, the Astros, of course, are going to be good. The Yankees are going to be good. The Blue Jays are going to be good. It's just a matter of who finishes where, but you know we've talked about it in the past. It's very, very difficult sometimes to predict what the hell's going to happen in Major League Baseball playoffs. It's just too wishy-washy. The other thing about baseball that I wanted to talk about was something that came out yesterday that I didn't really – I've kind of known this, but I kind of didn't, that I knew minor league baseball players did not make a lot of money. And if anybody out there is a minor league baseball player or knows somebody who played in the minors, you realize that they got paid basically pennies. And that's why it's such a big deal. You hear stories about minor leaguers getting called up to the big leagues. When the big league minimum is $563,000, and yes, it's prorated, but compared to what they were making in the minors, did you realize that before this year, before this new agreement was signed um, that's about to be signed, it's that is going to double the pay of minor leaguers. And you're like, wow, double, they're getting their pay doubled? Yeah, but they were making dick. AAA players made 17.5 a year, and now they're going to make 35.8. Double A players are going to go from 13,800 a year to 30,250. High A, 11,000 they used to make, now they're going to make 27.3. Single A, 11,000 to 26,200, and Complex League, 4,800 to 19,800. Yet, here we are, AAA baseball players making 35.8 a year? Pretty much all these guys have to have second jobs in the offseason. The one thing that this also, this new agreement is going to do is going to pay them every week of the year outside of the last six weeks of the calendar year, basically from Thanksgiving through the end of the year. Before, they were only getting paid during their season. So they were making, they were having no income come in from basically what? Uh, October through March? Crazy to think of that. But AAA baseball players make 35.8 a year. The minimum salary, if you're on a major league roster, is $563,000 a year. So, 
shit, you get called up for a month. You're making way more than you do playing a whole season of minor league baseball. It just, I had no idea it was that bad. And there have been stories written about minor league baseball and how poor they are treated. The fact that a lot of these guys, there's three to four guys to a room when they're on the road. I mean, just bad conditions. Nobody goes to a lot of minor league games. That's why they have to do all those wacky promotions. I live five minutes from the Rangers AA Stadium here in Frisco, Texas at the Dr. Pepper Ballpark where the Rough Riders play. And I've been to a few of the games. I try and go earlier in the season because I'm not real fond of sitting in 108-degree heat in June or July. But in between every single inning, there's something going on with some relay races on the field or someone doing firing something out of a cannon off the top of the dugout, uh, dancing going on, just a – that's what minor league baseball is. It's a lot of gimmicky stuff because they know people aren't really going out to for the baseball of it, you know? I mean, maybe if one of the big guys from the major team gets sent down because he's coming off an injury and he's a starting the game or he's a, you know, a power hitter or something like that, like like, like if Aaron Judge got hurt and had and was rehabbing his way back, he'd go to either the AA or the AAA affiliate of the Yankees and yeah, that game's going to draw a lot more, or Mike Trout gets hurt, or whatever the case may be, any any superstar. But when it's just a regular team, yeah, there isn't a ton of interest in minor league baseball. And those numbers show 35800 bucks a year is what a AAA player is making. And that's because they just signed this. They were making seventeen five a year for six months of work. Or five, I think the minor league baseball season might be five months long instead of six. But holy shit, five months you make seventeen five a year, making three thousand dollars a month. Man, I feel bad for these guys. As I mentioned in the open, one of the stars of the NCAA tournament this year was the point guard for Kansas State, Marquise Noel, who set the record for most assists over a four-game span, or most assists ever in the tournament, and he only played four games. I believe he had 52. Well, yesterday he declared for the NBA draft. Man, you know, it's it's very hard to predict. The guy can shoot from anywhere, I get it, but he's also very, very short. I don't know how he translates to the next level. You know, you hope this isn't a mistake, and you hope this guy doesn't end up playing, you know, overseas for five years and just gets lost in the shuffle. I don't know where he grades out. I haven't read any, you know, early drafts, mock drafts of teams. Maybe he's his late second round pick. I don't really know at this point, but a little disappointing to see that he's going pro just because I know he would be a star in college basketball. And, you you know, you like guys to stick around, but I get it. You know, they want to go pro. And, you know, the NIL deal keeps people in college. I mean, shit, North Carolina's best player, Armando Baycott, decided to come back for his senior year at North Carolina. And that guy, I believe, would easily be a first-round pick. But he's coming back. Caleb Love decided to transfer, but Armando Baycott coming back. Everyone thought Armando Baycott was leaving two years ago after they made the national championship game before they lost to Kansas. But he came back. Last year, remember that whole team came back outside of Brady Manick and everyone thought they were going to be great. They were the preseason number one. They didn't even make the tournament. Very disappointing. 
that's why even more so I'm shocked that Armando Baycott decided to come back. It's coming off a season where they didn't even make the tournament. I understand that that's sort of motivation. Like, I'm not going out this way, but you would think that would be more of a detriment. Like, I don't want to go possibly go through this again. But props to Armando Baycott. I would have liked Marquise Noel to stay in college. I, I, I hope the guy at least gets drafted because if he goes undrafted, it's just like, great, why did you come out? And I don't, I you know, let me look at the story here real quick. I'm sorry. I should have probably brought this up earlier. Um, he has declared for the NBA draft. He, he made a post on Instagram. I'm just trying to think if he signed with an agent, if he can go back to the school. I guess it's possible. It doesn't say it in the story, but if he doesn't get drafted, I guess it's still possible he can go back to the school as long as he didn't sign with an agent. Um, but you will, we'll see. Those longtime sports fans, if you remember sports from the late 90s and watching sports on TV in the late 90s, I don't know if any of you remember the name Vanner Wright. He did sports highlights for CNN and had some very funny catchphrases. That's what sports highlights were on ESPN and CNN back in the day. It was always to see who could get the public's interest by saying funny lines during home runs or good plays in the field or goofs on the field, whatever the case may be. And one of those guys was Vanner Wright, and he did headline. He did headline sports for CNN. And if you watch CNN, it would come on like you'd hear his sports updates. Like, I don't know, maybe it was three times an hour. Maybe it was only twice. And he got like a minute and he'd go over the baseball scores. You got to remember this is before the internet where everything you can see a highlight on your phone in three seconds. You had to watch these shows to see highlights of other games. And I was obviously addicted to sports back then, and I remember Van Earl, and I thought it was really funny with some of his calls. Where he was really good. Funny. Anyway, you probably didn't understand what I said, and that was the funny thing about Van Earl. For a while there, I didn't know what he was saying when someone hit a home run, but he was basically saying deep over the wall in left field. And but he says it really fast, and sometimes he literally said it as fast as I say say it at the end of the podcast. So really funny. Anyway, at the end of in the late '90s, Van Earl started to work for Fox Sports, Fox Sports Net TV. At that time, I was working at an all sports station in Los Angeles, AM eleven fifty. Um, were we extra sport? I think we're just AM eleven. I can't remember the name. It was 11.50 a.m., and I worked there from 1999 to 2002. So Van Earl was working on the TV side at Fox Sports Net. Their studios were close to us. He came on the radio a lot with our hosts that were on 11.50. And I just remember being in his presence a couple times, and I always thought he was very funny, very gracious guy, super nice. You know, you meet these guys, you have no idea how they are off air, if they're just giant egomaniacs or whatever. He's a really down-to-earth guy. But then he got involved in cocaine and basically lost everything, lost his wife, lost almost everything, but definitely lost his family. Uh, He was addicted to cocaine and a coke addict went in and out of rehabs and um, basically had to turn his life around. And he did just saw a story yesterday that now the guy's caddying and not caddying for pro golfers, just caddying at local clubs to make some money. And, Good to see the story. Good to hear that. Good to hear him talk about how he was 
how cocaine took over his life. He said, cocaine became the dominant motivation for me. My first thought each morning was, where can I find some more? It's about the choices I made, and I did not make healthy choices. I made selfish choices. For that reason, I was a very lousy husband and wasn't fully there as a father. And then he said the, uh, the three things he remembers the most, the three lessons that stuck with him the most when he went to rehab were one, don't try to do it alone. It never works, or at least I've never seen it work. Two, park the ego. Three, listen to those who have walked the path before you, which I think is pretty self-explanatory. And just good to see that the guy's uh, doing well, seemingly has kicked his coke addiction, and you know, doing what he can uh, to make some money. But yeah, he's a he's a caddy now, and just basically gets worked off tips. You know, and and working some clubs and um, I didn't even see where they said he was working, uh, which clubs he was working. But he um, he has an RV that he travels the country in to work at various golf courses, and that's what he does. So it's just good, I, you know, nostalgia for me. Uh, a guy that I really admired on TV, got to meet a few times when I was in radio back in the late '90s, and then. I knew I knew he had a coke addiction. I knew that his career had gotten derailed because of it. But then I just hadn't heard his name in years. I, this is the first time I've heard Vanderbilt Wright's name in probably I don't know fifteen years. I just had no idea what happened to the guy. If you would have told me, hey, he passed away a few years ago, I'd have been like, oh man, that sucks. I you know really like that guy. I had no idea what this guy was up to, but now I have an idea. Uh, one thing to talk about in regards to the NFL football season, um, it's looking more and more, obviously the, the, the Carolina Panthers have traded in to get the number one pick. And <clears throat> I talked about this with Josh Mooney, who was on the podcast a couple weeks ago. We are going to have a guest tomorrow. So listen for that. Someone from my radio past. And I was going over it. And I'm just like, with Carolina having the first pick, they don't have an established quarterback, so they're clearly going after one of the good ones, one of the college kids. And we're here right now talking about it, and essentially all the reports are saying they are narrowing it down to they're either going to go with Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. And the NFL draft is such an inexact science. Nobody can tell you for certain before someone enters the league how good they're going to be or how poor they're going to be or they know they're not going to make it and no they or yes they are going to make it. But what I do know is this. And this is, you know, the Buckeye fans, you know, no need to come after me for this take because this take is factual. And I have nothing to do with CJ Stroud. But what we do know is the last 6 Ohio State quarterbacks that were really, really good in college, including some Heisman Trophy winners, absolutely flopped in the NFL and just never became studs the way they were studs at Ohio State. And that's through different head coaches, different systems. I get it. But you look at the list. Troy Smith, Terrell Pryor, JT Barrett, Dwayne Haskins, RIP. Uh... Justin Fields, jury's still out on him, but definitely not a good passer in his first two years in the NFL. Good runner, but his passing leaves a lot to be desired. I'm forgetting one. Oh, Cardale Jones, the one guy who won you a national championship 
when JT Barrett and Dwayne Haskins went down that one year. He steps in and has a cannon for an arm and came back for his, the next year, started, and it was just a mess. Still went to the NFL, did well in college, won a national championship, did nothing in the NFL. That's six Ohio State quarterbacks in a row that have failed in the NFL. I guess five and a half. Justin Fields hasn't failed just yet, but let's face it. Remember his first full year at Ohio State? What was it, 40 touchdown passes and one interception? This guy's just slinging it all around the field. Everybody's gushing about his arm. He's been terrible throwing the ball in the NFL. Terrible. Less than a 60% completion percentage. Certainly not putting up those type of numbers. And you're just like, what is going on with Ohio State quarterbacks when they get to the NFL? This doesn't mean Carolina should automatically go with Bryce Young. Because Bryce Young certainly has his question marks. One being height, two being weight. They just don't know if he's physically going to be able to hold up. We talked to Josh about it a couple weeks ago. Josh thinks he will be. For me, jury is still out. I need to see him get hit a few times in the NFL because I don't know how durable he is. He's just not that menacing presence out there, but maybe he doesn't have to be. I don't know. Could get a, on a team that has a great offensive line and he doesn't have to worry about it. But that's who looks like the Panthers are going to narrow it down to. Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Even when they make their decision, I'm not going to sit here and be like, great pick. Definitely the one to take over the other. I have no idea. Neither does anybody else. You can talk to your Mel Kuypers. You can talk to your uh, Jeremy Fowlers. And you can talk to your uh, Todd McShays and read all their stuff. And they, these guys literally break this stuff down for a living and watch literally every snap that each one of these quarterbacks ever played in college. And they'll come out with an opinion and it could end up being dead wrong. They don't know any more than you do, and they watch hundreds of more hours of tape than you do. Now, they sound smarter. They've actually watched more and studied it more, but it still doesn't mean they know exactly what's going to happen. So I'm looking forward to those guys in the NFL, along with Anthony Richardson, along with Will Levis. I like to see who ends up translating well to the NFL. Right now, I don't know who it is that's going to be Shit, they might all stink <laughs> when they ultimately get there. Because remember, the teams that are picking them are teams that stink already. I mean, Carolina won seven games last year. They went 7-10, and 10, so they're not like a team that was 3-14. and 14. But remember, these guys that are getting picked high are, getting, are going to bad teams. So are they good enough to turn them around? Recently, Joe Burrow did. The Bengals were a disaster. But he has made them better, along with having some great receivers – but Joe Burrow, from the second he has stepped on the field in the NFL, has flourished. Justin Fields, not so much. So we'll see how it plays out. I'd be interested to see who they take. We're going to have Josh on in a couple weeks, probably before the NFL draft. And obviously things will have changed by then. Maybe we'll know where Lamar's going by then or not. But we're definitely going to have another talk before the NFL draft to discuss who might be going where. Anyway, Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review it in uh, Apple Podcasts. It is much appreciated, and I, I want everyone to just pass this podcast along to your friends or your husbands or your husband's friends that are, that are sports fans. Just want as many people to hear this uh, as possible because for me, it helps me. Obviously, the more people that download and listen, um, you know, that can, only, that can only be a good thing, is basically what I'm saying. Anyway, 
Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.